I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Hacker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino, we talk all about the Sooners signing Peyton Bowen. What a saga. Then we preview the Cheez-It Bowl with Bud Elliott and Ingram Smith from the Nolcast. And that's it. Please download and subscribe to the podcast. Rate it five stars and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those and you'll find us. All right. Our man Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Monday, December 26th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Hiker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and there are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match, Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades. And hearts. And to learn more about their gaming promotions and entertainment options in the month of December, all you got to do is visit Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Now, people, we called Nautable. We were like, you know what? We're going to get this recorded before Christmas. We're going to do it. So we're recording this a couple days in advance. Uh, Some rather large news uh, took place after we recorded the last episode. But still, please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment. Ted, speaking of five stars, whoa. Yeah. Whoa. We had one. We didn't have one. And then we had one again. Right? It was awesome. Well, maybe not awesome. It ended up awesome. I don't know if the process and how it all went down was awesome, but where we are now is, uh, is looking pretty good. I I hear you and okay I where do we start do we talk about the football impact of Peyton Bowen first or do we talk about the saga the drama like what where do you where do you want to begin with this I say we get into the saga first and then we can hit kind of what it means for our football team after that because the drama I think is what everyone wants to talk about uh the drama was fantastic the the hat ceremony, I think the biggest surprise in all this, it's like the hat ceremony, there wasn't even an OU hat. 
and you hear people like, well, it was hidden in the helmet. Is it's like, hey, I haven't heard that from Peyton Bowen or anyone like that. So I'll say this. There were two people that talked to Brent Venables directly after Peyton Bowen chose Oregon. And those two people were me and you. <laughs> right. And let's just say it was one of those those situations. It did not feel like it was over. And yeah. in fact, we encouraged him and said, hey, it's not over until he signs, until their Twitter puts something out. So do what you got to do. Like, it was, it was so interesting to be in that moment because Venables was recording his Cheez-It Bowl preview show and we were doing our Sooner Game Day stuff right afterwards. So we were the first people that saw him after Bowen made that decision. Well, it well, it happened like during his walk from his press conference over to do the bowl preview show, right? So I'm guessing he didn't get to mention it at all in the press conference or did he? He he didn't address it at all. It happened it happened after that. Okay, yeah. It was it was wild. It was uh it was interesting. He was uh it wasn't happy. <laughs> he was I would I would say the best way we're not going to say, you know, put out exactly what we talked about, but I would say there was some, what I call angry laughing. Yeah. Just like so upset that he started laughing. And I was like, oh boy. But yeah. it's never over until that letter of intent is signed and sent, my friend. Yeah. Well, you know, and I, he, Peyton Bowen was taking a ton of heat, you know, from Sooner fans with the, you know, going to Oregon from Notre Dame fans from Oregon fans, probably after um, he never sent the paperwork in, but like, here's the thing. And this isn't, I'm not saying this necessarily specific to Peyton Bowen, but it's, it's not just a situation. You would like to think that a kid just, chooses where he wants to go, right? And he gets support from family, from friends, from teammates, from from coaching staff at high school, and everyone is supportive and there to answer questions. But that's just not always how it works, man. There's a ton of external factors, you know, pushing and pulling. Some some people are trying to, you know, to capitalize themselves off of uh, some of these young players just there's a lot going on for some of these guys at 18 years old it's not always as easy as, as it seems to just pick where you want to go play football i wish it was it would probably make things a lot a lot more simple but it's not always that way and you know i don't know exactly how all of this went down with peyton bowen but you know whenever you look at the statement he says oklahoma always felt like home and that's where he always wanted to go and you know, strayed from that path a little bit for whatever reason, but ended up coming back to, to what he felt like is the place that suited him best. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, and I thought the, the statement that he put out, because this became a big deal. I mean, they were talking about it on SportsCenter. They were talking about it all over ESPN. It was all over social media. And I thought the fact that he put out a statement acknowledging like, hey, I could have handled this whole thing better, right? He apologized for the way he handled it, right? Thanked Oregon staff. Thanked Notre Dame staff. I, I thought that was a nice display of maturity, but it was also a reminder. It's like, guy's a kid, man. I, I know he's a five star. I know everybody in the country wants him, but he's still a young, young, young guy. And just think about making a decision on that stage, like that public of a decision and doing it in the manner that he did it. Like it's, it's going to be with him for the rest of his career. Yeah. And it, it could be one of these things where, hey, he ends up being an absolute star at Oklahoma. And everyone just forgets about how he got there. And I'm hoping that's what happens. Because if he's not, then everyone will remember the saga of of him choosing OU and that whole thing. But I, I will say this. I'm damn glad he's coming to Oklahoma. <laughs> you and me both. You and me both. Yeah, uh, incredible safety. I know Oklahoma felt like he was the best safety in the country. Um, you know, they spent a lot of time, you know, building, developing the relationship with this kid. Venables, Brandon Hall, Coach Valai, um, the entire, you know, behind-the-scenes staff, the analysts, and all those guys. You know, there was a really good relationship there. That's why Oklahoma felt so strongly all along that, you know, even though he had always stayed committed to Notre Dame, that he was going to ultimately choose Oklahoma. You know, it was, which, you know, it, it sounds like his mom was adamant that he goes to Notre Dame. It sounds like his dad was adamant that he went to Oregon. And it sounds like Peyton Bowen was adamant that he wanted to go to Oklahoma. Right. So you had, you had all those three things mixed up there all together and, Ultimately, I'm glad that he won out and didn't end up going somewhere that he didn't want to go. And it, it, I know everyone wants to bring up the NIL piece, right? And there's no secret. Oregon is, they are a strong player, right? When it comes to the NIL portion of things, I, I don't 
plan on digging or trying to find out or anything like that. I don't know what the NIL situation looks like for Peyton Bowen at Oklahoma. I, I assume it's more than nothing, right? But I think this just this just really shows how relentless Brent Venables can be as a recruiter. And I think the fan base has been dying for a guy like that lately, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, we just got a five-star defensive player. This is the top 15 player in the country, arguably the best player at his position. And he chose Oklahoma over a whole lot of places. I mean, that just hasn't been happening around here for a while. So I, I just think it's it reflects so positively on Brent Venables and Brandon Hall and Jay Vlad, this entire staff that even when the guy had a hat ceremony, I mean, we saw Venables, those thumbs couldn't have moved any faster when he was texting on his phone. Like he is, I, I just, I really appreciate the effort the staff put in and I, that's, that's their job. Their job's to bring in talent to ultimately make the team, the program better. But to have a guy do something as public as that and to still not give up, man, that's pretty well what you have to that's how you have to recruit. Here's like this recruiting class is really good, right? I like I think it's fantastic. I think the balance, offense and defense is amazing. You got a five star quarterback, you got multiple five star uh defensive players, you've got you know, your next highest rated player is an offensive tackle with a really high ceiling. It's a really good looking class. Here's the thing that really has me excited. They just pulled a top five class after going six and six and not being able to really not necessarily not being able and not really being willing to get up there in the NIL uh, sweepstakes like some of the other schools out there. So consider that you had Jackson Arnold, uh, Adabare, definitely Bowen, and probably other guys throughout this class that turned down way bigger deals to come play at a school that just went six and six after hiring a new coach where a lot of people from the outside, and I guarantee the same people throwing those big NIL deals their way, were telling them that it's not going to work. Venables, man, it's just he's not a head coach and went 6-6 six and six this year. If they have another year like that next year, it could be gone. Uh, you know that's what they're hearing from other schools. So the fact that this entire class, for the most part, turned all of those other options away to come to Oklahoma – for less money and for a school that went six and six is incredible. Wait until they get their ducks in a row on the NIL stuff and are more competitive and are, you know, coming off of a really good season, which I think is going to happen sooner rather than later. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, it's it's exciting, man. I mean, I got to keep reminding myself because you look at all the rankings now and we usually use the 24-7 sports composite because it's just kind of the easiest one to use. Top five recruiting class after a six and six season. Yep. Top five. If If you stack top five recruiting classes, you are going to have a damn good football team. Yep. Typically now Texas A&M <laughs> maybe, but I, if, if this is the starting point, especially when you factor in the move to the SEC coming here soon and how that will bump your recruiting, being able to go out there and tell kids like, Hey, you want to come play in the best conference in the country that that's only going to help things, man. It's after a very disappointing season where we went through a lot of painful podcasts. Like this is a fun one. Like this is yeah. this is enjoyable. This is exciting. I, I think it. I think excitement's the best word to describe uh, kind of what a bunch of fans, including myself, are feeling right now. Yeah, and you know, I I think there's there's a lot of criticism uh, lobbed at Venables, and and rightfully so. This is this is big boy business. Get paid a lot of money. And it's a results-driven business. You have six and six football team like that. That is what it is. But you know, one of the things that he has been adamant about since the day he showed up is building relationships. And this is not going to be a transactional relationship at Oklahoma. It's going to be personal, right? And that is why this class paid off the way that it did. That's why when you build the relationships the right way, when you care about these kids, whenever you hand select the right players for your team and develop the right relationships because they fit the mold that you want, now, good people, good students, good leaders, like, it becomes relationship-driven, and that's why these kids are okay turning away some bigger deals because – like if you build it only on the NIL stuff, like like an Oregon tried too late with Peyton Bowen, it's just there is no guarantee that you're going to keep that locked in and keep people happy. I think people are way quicker to make a decision to leave and to do something else if it's only built off uh, the bottom line dollars wise. Yep, I'm with you, man. I I feel so good for the fans. Like because we win, didn't we? And David Hicks ends up picking AM, right? Yep. The the staff was hopeful. They were feeling themselves after the Peyton Bone situation. Thought maybe, hey, maybe there was a chance with Hicks, but he ends up ultimately sticking with the Aggies. But I, I felt like there was so much disappointment because they had missed on Akana and on Bowen. And for this, for them to feel that disappointment and then feel the elation and, and like the slow build of it and how dramatic it was. Like I was, I was just really happy for the fan base because 
they've missed on a lot of five-star guys like this over the last several years. And man, I felt like this, the OU fan base, especially the ones that follow Twitter closely, I felt like this was a huge victory for them. Like I, I was happy for them to have that moment. Hey, I'll tell you, I, um, I got done doing all the stuff Wednesday and I was out of it. Signing day's done, whatever. Phone is put down, phone is away. And I wake up Thursday to a bunch of text messages of people being like, this this Peyton Bowen deal is crazy. And I'm like, what's going on? Well, he hadn't sent his letter in to Oregon. I was like, hmm. Which, you know, he hadn't, you know, late Wednesday night. But I fired off a text message. Is what I got is... We have the letter here. I was like, okay, <laughs> all right, yeah, that's interesting. Okay, yeah, that was a massive turn of events that I did not see coming. It was cool. So, yeah, to be able to to feel like you're coming back from the dead is better than getting it the first place, right? Like the, the drama now, uh, What's a, how, how does this affect him moving forward? I don't know. Uh, hopefully not at all. But if – if you want the roller coaster of emotion, that was it. Yeah. All right. You got anything else on the Bowen situation? The only other really uh, other piece of news that we didn't talk about on the last episode because it happened after we recorded was Reggie Pearson, the safety from from Texas Tech. A lot of people remember the one, uh, the hit he had on Dylan Gabriel at overtime on the uh, reverse pass. That was that was Pearson. <laughs> the best part is his commitment video like the hype video had that play yeah, in it as it blowing up a bunch of OU players on his uh <laughs> on his hype video that was awesome but yeah so adding depth in the secondary uh, you can never have too many guys that play with that type of physicality in the back end of your defense man yep. I mean veteran guy so that I, I thought you know that was another positive development depth experience um because we've got a ton of young athletes man we got that in spades right now you look at this recruiting class and uh jacoby johnson is a guy you got makari vickers you got the uh, mccullough kid you got peyton bowen like there's a bunch of secondary players coming in i think it's great that there's a lot of position versatility with all of those guys but it is nice to bring in you know, to have some experience there on the back end, guys played a ton of football. So you're going to need some of that back there as well. Yeah. Now coming up next, it's the first time we've ever done like the full crossover. How do you think? I thought collaboration. Is this a, is this a collab? Is this what this is supposed to be? The Oklahoma breakdown times the no cast. Like, is that, is that what the cool kids say? I think so. Yeah. It, well, yeah, I I thought it went well. You and Bud Elliott got along. How about that? We can we can we can get along. You, you know, put everything aside for an hour hour plus of uh of podcasting. We can do that. No, it was great. It it all went really well. Got some good information about Florida State uh, in there as well. So thought it was awesome. Okay, we got to get a birthday shout outs in first. Happy seventh birthday to Torin. Philaby. Happy 10th Philaby. 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 Nailed happy, it. Happy 10th birthday to Aaliyah Philaby. Happy 17th birthday to Gracie Walker. Happy 40th birthday to our man, 
HJT, Harry James Taylor. Yeah, and happy 46th birthday to Gwen Garcia. All right, let's get to the collab Cheese It Bowl preview. But first, the only place to stop when you're road tripping is Love's Travel Stops. Love's has over 600 locations in 41 states, offering 24 hour access to clean and safe places. Whatever your road trip needs are, Love's has it. Fuel, fresh food, all the snacks and drinks, including, yes, my favorite, Java Hamari. That coffee is fantastic. Love's also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones. They've expanded their mobile-to-go zone so you can grab any of that stuff there. Make sure you download the Love's Connect app for exclusive offers from today's most popular brands. The Love's Connect app also includes a route planner and store locator. When you see that red neon heart on the highway, stop in and say hi at Love's Travel Stops. For a full list of what Love's has to offer, visit loves.com. Opolis Clothing is the exclusive home for all of our Oklahoma Breakdown merchandise. If you want to live your life in butter soft comfort, go to opolisclothing.com. That's O-P-O-L-I-S clothing.com. Use promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off your entire order. You still get a discount on all the OU and OKC Thunder gear as well. It's opolisclothing.com. Use promo code TED for 10% off. Buttery soft and 10% off. Ambition McGinnis Catholic High School represents a tradition of educational excellence in Oklahoma City. Grounded in a faith-based education, students prepare to meet their potential with an individualized academic path that strives for success. Bishop McGinnis offers a college prep curriculum that includes 22 AP courses, participation in OSSAA athletics, where they've won over 100 state championships, and numerous clubs and organizations for students to join and grow. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. All right, here's our Cheese It Bowl preview with Bud Elliott and Ingram Smith. It is our pleasure to be joined by the foremost leaders in Florida State football podcasting. Bud Elliott and Ingram Smith are in the house. Everyone knows the Nolcast. Everyone knows. Boys, this is a first in the history of this podcast. We've we've done some home and homes. We have never done it all in one spot. So we'll see how it goes. How we do it. It's the neutral site podcast, uh, is yeah. what it sounds like. Absolutely. No, appreciate you guys uh having us on. Exciting uh to be able to join you and uh excited to look forward to a, a cheese it bowl. Absolutely. So We'll get, get into some good conversation today. Are you guys coming down for it? Oh, yeah. Nice. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now, it's not the normally uh, OU, we'll go down, we'll do some TV, like some practice reports throughout the week, building up in the game. Turns out the budget gets cut a little bit when you go six and six, but <laughs> Yeah, they're like, yeah, we're going to sit you down a uh, day before the game. And uh, if, uh, if the wife's yeah, like Jake Owen, though, the country western singer. I know they're having a uh, free Jake Owen concert downtown that Ingram's involved with uh, the day before the ball game. Ooh. Nice. So, yeah. Okay. So we'll uh, we'll shoot that information over to you, but absolutely. I like, I like that. I, that is, that's great news. Bud's that's just not- promoting 90 seconds into the podcast. Hat tip to you, sir. Thank you. Brilliant. Hey, uh, <laughs> we all know what's what is here. So the way we're going to do this, we're going to talk Florida state and then we'll talk Oklahoma after that. So, I'll just start with this, guys. It, it seems like 
some patience that Florida State showed with Mike Norvell's paying off, right? Three and six, five and seven, and now nine and three with this football team finishing really, really strong. Like what 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 has what has the vibe around the program been like this season? Because it seems like things are headed in a really good direction. You know, I, I don't know that FSU would have made the coaching change when they did had they had they known that COVID was coming like five weeks later, right? And I, that really, in my opinion, put Mike behind the eight ball as a coach. And I think you talk to anybody that took over for a 2020 season, they would probably tell you, like, it made it hard. You, you, you're installing your stuff over Zoom, right? And there's a lot of different different things. Like, you're trying to hire coaches. I don't think, like, Mike didn't hire a whole lot of guys with Florida connections at first, which – if you believe in your guys as recruiters, that shouldn't be a big deal because they can go out there and make those connections. But if you're literally limited by rule, unless you're Arizona State, you're not really allowed to do a whole lot of recruiting on the road. Uh, you know, it, it it can impact you a little bit. So it did take a little time, I think, for him to to get his culture installed. But you know, like like if you watched him at Memphis, or you know, even when he was the OC at Arizona State, like you know, the guy is generally going to score points. And you know, this year they got the defense playing a little better. They they had to stay healthy at some key spots and did, and uh, and they they also had some really nice hits through the transfer portal. I mean, it's it's probably the best team they've had since twenty, probably since that twenty sixteen Orange Bowl team against Michigan. How's the hierarchy looking? I, Florida seems like an interesting state. Like for us, we have Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. The hierarchy is set, you know, and it's like that in a bunch of places. But it feels like Florida, and maybe I'm wrong, but between Miami. Florida State in Florida, there's like this constantly reshuffling of kind of what the trendy team is or what the the cool place to go is with the recruits. Like, what does that look like right now? You're right. There is a amount of fluidity in kind of the hierarchy in the state of Florida that I'm not sure you see anywhere else. Uh, as far as three main players and no, uh, Florida is certainly the the older university and and kind of the more uh, old line power of of the uh, institutions, but hasn't necessarily separated itself from Florida State or Miami. Um, and also, all three schools are living in a world where, for the first time that uh, that I can remember, we're the top talent in Florida. And necessarily going to either of those three schools. And so, you know, not only are you fighting to get back on the uh, the higher end of the totem pole, you're also trying to figure out which of you is going to be able to start keeping, you know, the five better kids in state, uh, which you just haven't seen for the past four or five years for the most part. So it's a it's a different state with the dynamics of the institutions. And there is no we're not talking Oklahoma, uh, Oklahoma State. We're not talking Georgia, Georgia Tech. Uh, we're talking three schools that can all point to a pretty significant rich history. Um, but all three schools are having to live in a world where, you know, the kids out of Broward County or Tampa or, or Orlando, wherever the talent may be in the state this year, is just as likely to go to Georgia or Alabama or, or Clemson as they are either of those three schools. You know, it's interesting. Like FSU finished third in, in terms of high school recruiting this year with, within the state. So if you're a Gator fan or, or a Florida fan, you're like, hey, yeah, you're beating us now. We'll beat you down the line. And I think FSU fans counter is like, hey, this team should probably be a lot better next year, too. So you got another beatdown coming. And we'll see how Norvell recruits with a full year of decent results to sell. Throughout this whole offseason, I mean, you go pull up ESPN or CBS, Norvell was pretty high up there on the hot seat things. And we didn't think that was justified. And you know, if you check our, our YouTube channel, we're like, guys, FSU's not interested in having three head coaches in a five-year span. Like, they're not going to be axing these dudes 
after every two years. Taggart was kind of a unique circumstance that they really felt they had to move on from. Like traditionally, you know, Bobby Bowden coached 30 years, right? So they're not really maybe as reactive as people think. Like they're not Auburn. Uh, and so I do think that a lot of other schools, though, used these hot seat, you know, reports out there against them. Like their junior day was poor. You know, they, they didn't get a lot of good kids up there in junior day last February. I think we're both looking at how do they do this year, right? But on the field, I think they have a much better roster than those two schools right now. Yeah, as as I watch them, I mean, they've got – and it's Florida State. They've, they've always had talent. Uh, the issues, in my opinion, over the last couple of years have been, you know, at the line of scrimmage, most notably the offensive line. But they got dudes running all over the place. But let, let's start with Jordan Travis. I know there's a lot of excitement already because he announced he's coming back to Florida State next season. Throughout this season, how much improvement have you seen from Jordan Travis and, and what level is he playing at coming into this game? He's playing at a level that honestly I think is unfair to future quarterbacks. I mean, his development has been at an arc that I don't think you can expect from other people. Uh, for the most part, Gabe, and I'm not a quarterback expert, just somebody that's been fortunate enough to follow and watch college football for a long time. But for the most part, a, a quarterback and his arm is more or less that. Now, you can get better throwing certain routes and, you know, there's areas where you can improve. But the amount of improvement from the passing standpoint, both the decision making and, you know, literal improvement on on uh, on the ball being delivered is unlike anybody I've ever seen before. I mean, Jordan's always a talented athlete. I think literally the first time he touched the ball in the bowl game, he took it, you know, 52 yards on a on a QB uh, sweep, more or less. So uh, you knew you knew what the raw product was there. I just don't think anybody with uh, any sort of, of reasonable base idea could have extrapolated that this is where to the point that he would get as a as a passer. And it kind of makes you wonder, like, would you have seen it earlier had he not always been hurt throughout his career? Like he, he never had a season that he played, you know, five, 600 snaps. Even he, he was always just getting banged up um, this year. He only, only missed like, I think two quarters, the second half of, of that Louisville game. It's a super athletic family. Like his brother's the second baseman for the blue Jays or, or was, you know? So like, like we knew that the dude was a really good athlete. I think this year, the main thing is he's just not putting the ball in jeopardy. I mean, he, he threw 320 passes and four picks, which is a pretty nice ratio. And if you look at like PFF, his like interceptable rate is really low. Like there's not a lot of times where we can point to and say, oh, they got lucky because they, they dropped that, that you know, should have been picked. He just doesn't really put the ball in harm's way. And when you got a dude with legs like that, who has been throwing the ball pretty well and Norvell schemes up a lot of wide open stuff too. Like that's been consistent really since he was at Memphis when they were battling UCF back in the day, it's a nice combo to have. You know, one of the things that, Gabe, I don't know about you, but I've frequently heard since the matchup was announced, uh, which right away I was like, oh, boy, did they uh, did they give us a, a bad matchup for all the things that we have not been good at? But, you know, there's been a lot of people saying, well, yeah, Florida State, they're, they're on a good trajectory, but their record, they didn't really beat anyone. And, you know, you look at their, their three losses and, you know, those are – their, their toughest games and they couldn't get over on any of those. How, how did those tell us how those games actually played out? And is that a fair assessment or not? Was it a weak schedule or, you know, like what was like kind of how, how did all that fall, fall into place? 
I think it's fair to say that it was a weak schedule. Uh, I also think it's fair to say that maybe in the year 2022, if you've got decent culture and a bought in locker room, you're going to, you're going to have a better chance to win a lot of these back half of the season games than some programs out there. I mean, you know, we'll just have to see what it looks like, but uh, you know, you certainly benefited from playing some of the teams that you did. I'm not going to make them out to be uh, super talented or, or juggernauts by any means. Uh, but you also saw a consistent progression uh, and buy-in from a team and uh, improvement at a level that, uh, like we said with Jordan, is is hard to hard to really believe. So I think part of that's true, uh, Teddy. I, I think it's very fair to say that particularly the last five teams they played, uh, Florida being the strongest of them, uh, but he didn't get a whole lot, of, whole lot of pushback in the other four in that back half of the season where they kind of got things corrected after losing three in a row. I also think, like, you know, go back to that that game at Louisville, right? I, I know I'm sitting there. I, I had instant reaction duty that night. I'm like, man, going to the halftime, you lo- you lost Jared Verse, who's, you know, projected as like a top two round pick. Fabian Lovett, your, your bestie tackle, you know, got hurt against LSU. He wasn't playing. You'd lost Robert Scott, who's your left tackle. You're on your third string right tackle now. The kid they luckily brought in with their last scholarship from South Carolina, who's a backup on the Gamecocks. And Jordan goes down here. Ooh, it, I mean, this is That'll a good team it. when they got healthy guys, but like you're going to find out real quick how good these backups are. And, you know, Boston College next, the next week was kind of a blessing because BC was really, really banged up. And, you know, BC had to switch some guys from D line to O line. That's not a great midweek thing to have to do at this level. Uh, but you were definitely your least healthy in that Wake Forest, NC State, Clemson stretch. You know, and I feel like if you had been able to spread out the injury some, you probably still go five and zero down the back stretch. You may not win, you know. You may not beat th- these teams by thirty five or forty, but you also might have been able to pull out a win or two in terms of the close game type stuff in, in those games you lost. If you know, if you have some of your more impact line of scrimmage guys. Looking at this offense as a whole, you know, I, as I've watched it, it, it seems like Norvell and Atkins. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of talk about Jordan Travis and what he can do, but seems like they want to run the damn ball. I mean, you look at it, 200 yards rushing in seven straight games. Is that is that kind of the where they want to start everything is with that run game, guys? Certainly been a – historically, it's been a, a centerpiece of Mike Norvell's offenses always. And if you're a, a running back, I, obviously I'm, I'm unbiased here, or I am biased, but, you know, that, that would be the place where – I think historically they'll start to recruit pretty well because they can uh, be able to point to uh, point to success and be able to point to getting guys that aren't necessarily uh, and Trey Benson's a, a high level recruit and an exceptionally high level athlete. But I don't know that you necessarily need to have like a, a five star top three back in the country uh, in this type of offense to have a whole lot of productivity. And uh, yeah, I think you're absolutely right, Gabe. That is what everything is based around. And that is, uh, you know, Mike has historically worked with wide receivers, but uh, what his what his offense is is really geared to is finding uh, situations in the run game where you can consistently take advantage of it. You're, uh, you know, you're across, across the line. Like they're they're a pretty heavy counter team. They'll they'll, they'll run some outside zone. Um, you know, J- Jordan keeps the backside pretty honest, obviously, because like he's probably still your best playmaker with the ball in, in his hands. They definitely hit on the Benson kid, as, as Ingram noted. Like he didn't get any touches really at Oregon. He had a pretty serious injury at the end of his high school career. I tend to think Florida State had some workout data on him before they said yes to him coming as a transfer. And 
Like that has just been a huge you, hit. You sure? You sure they didn't just get eyes on his ass and hamstrings, <laughs> and they're like, "Yeah, we'll take Dude. that guy." So they they liked him at Memphis, right? Because like that was the same that was the, the recruiting class that Mike was working on before he got the job, uh, and then he got hurt. And I mean, there's got to be questions like he didn't really play at Oregon, but it was a serious knee injury that he had to come back from. So you know, sometimes that stuff just does take time. And they're like, "Oh, okay, this is a hit. This is this is good." Um, Center is pretty undersized, but but quick. They they seem to not make a whole lot of mental mistakes up front. Uh, the both guards are are pretty big. Your tackles are kind of built like guards, but they you know they do pull them a lot. Um, and you know tight end is there's a reason they took two tight ends in the portal already, right? So it's not necessarily a a strength. Um, but receiver wise is where they're the most better this year by far. Like they probably had. I got some heat for saying it was the worst receiving core in the ACC, but it was definitely like bottom third last year. And then you go and you get Johnny Wilson, who's a, you know, six foot six type kid, Micah Pittman, who, you know, a lot of people are like, how's he going to fit culture wise? And this come in and honestly just blocked his butt off. I don't know if we can cuss on here. Um, but I mean, just been a really good, you know, possession guy, good blocking on screens. And then I guess I think we've all played with dudes who just finally clicked at some point. And Ontario Wilson is kind of their deep thread. who's just finally putting it together you know, on, on the outside. So their receiving core this year has to be respected in a way that really has not been in several years. I want to, I want to hear about this defense. You know, you always see Florida state has dudes all the way at three levels, always have good edge guys, um, tough, big defensive tackles, backers that can run and secondary players always feels like Florida state ha- has just some of the most physical guys out there. How's this group stacked up? It, it looks like they've made, massive improvement year over year to what they put out there this season. It is a a significantly better group. I think of all the, just like the most talented physically gifted player out there is probably a transfer from Albany. I mean, Jared verse is going to play in the game, uh, the bowl game and still making the decision as to whether or not to return to school. Uh, But that is a guy who is projected anywhere from, you know, the third round to the first round, depending on where you look. Uh, And that is, you know, of the the more traditional Florida State kind of eye-popping, physically gifted defenders, I'd start the conversation there. Uh, Tatum Bethune is a linebacker that they pulled from UCF. He is not necessarily the most wildly physically gifted guy, but just a fantastic college linebacker and a solid addition who played through an injury this year. Um, the other kid that they have at linebacker who's really given him a high level of play is Kalen Deloach. Uh, Deloach is perhaps slightly undersized, uh, but a guy that can run exceptionally well and uh, a guy that has uh, blossomed into a, a really pretty above average linebacker over the past two years. Secondary's had its moments uh, of strength and weakness. I don't know that there's anybody back there that's, uh, you know, just transcendently gifted from a physical standpoint. Uh, but Jamie Robinson is a, a safety who plays, uh, you know, with the with the field in front of him, reacts well, uh, may not run a, a four three nine or something like that, but is a, a really heady player and has given a lot of uh, a lot of kind of smarts and, and football sense to the backside or back part of that defense. Yeah, I I definitely think your defense is improved from what it was last year, but I I, I also still have questions about this group and it, personnel wise, Ingram nailed it. But you know you look at who they've played and, and I really have a lot more questions about the offenses that they played down the stretch than the defenses. You know, so Georgia Tech was playing a third string quarterback. Miami ran out Van Dyke, and I'm kind of shocked that they did. And he re-injured his throwing shoulder on a non-contact injury. Like, he literally looked like a baseball guy blowing his arm out. Uh, that's 
that's not uh, that doesn't look good. And so he he went he was out after like the first or second series. Syracuse they physically overwhelmed, and that was kind of a the Syracuse team they got was kind of the Syracuse team that I kind of thought they would get like throughout the whole year. But Q stayed healthy for the first couple games and won some close ball games. And as their attrition mounted, they, their depth is kind of what we had heard at ACC Media Day. Like Q's didn't have dudes. UL Lafayette actually lost their quarterback like the week of the game. And then Florida, you know, Florida put up points on them. And I think it's fair to note, like the teams that can chuck it around a little bit have competent quarterback play. You know, LSU didn't really go up and down the field on them until FSU's prevent defense was kind of a joke and they gave up like 180 yards and two scores in the last two minutes. But, um, you know, Louisville put up 31, right? Clemson put up 34. Florida put up 38. I think it's fair to question, like, if they play teams with a pulse offensively, are that can they be got? And, like, they don't really play zone very well in the back end. You're going to get a lot of man-to-man. Uh, and, you know, I feel like they don't communicate this stuff super well. So – there are points to be had if you can block them up front. You know, if Verse and Lovett and those guys are eating, you know, Lovett's, Lovett's their best D tackle. He's probably a, I don't know, back half of the draft guy, but like one of the guys in this defense that, you know, you got good college players and you got guys that are like, all right, that guy's got some NFL tools to him. He'll probably get picked. You know, if those guys are getting home and they're not having to blitz you, obviously most people's coverage is pretty good, you know, at that point. We'll get you back to the interview, but first. It's football time in Oklahoma, people, and there's nothing better to drink at the tailgate than Clubby Seltzers. Clubby Seltzers is an Oklahoma company that's already winning national awards because their product is delicious. Tastes exactly like a club special, but it's a seltzer, and they're not just for tailgating either. They're perfect to drink on the golf course, by the pool, after mowing the lawn, whatever. If you haven't tried Clubby Seltzers yet, go grab some. You won't regret it. Clubby's first variety pack is out. Got some new flavors. I got a new can. Find a place near you that has clubbies, visit clubbyseltzers.com. And attention business owners, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A dot com. All right, back to the interview. You guys mentioned that, and we probably should have started with this question. Everyone's playing for Florida State, right? Like this is yeah. the, you never know coming into these bowl games now, guys. But it, I, I had read a lot of stuff that, this team, they, they're very motivated by getting double-digit wins. So is it everybody is planning on playing from uh, up to this point? Yeah, everybody's planning on playing. And there may be one or two more kids that will enter the portal. I don't know that those are necessarily guys that we would have talked about uh, otherwise in this conversation. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, quite honestly, there's guys playing in this game that I'm I'm surprised they're playing. Uh, Jamie Robinson is one of them. Jared Verse is another one. Uh, now, Verse still has a decision to make as to whether or not he's returning. Uh, I'm just still surprised to see somebody at that level 
playing in the cheese it bowl to me uh, to be perfectly honest with you so uh to our knowledge every piece of the roster uh is playing that is i don't know if of significance is a fair phrase to use about kids but uh you know the the people that we would have highlighted in these conversations or mentioned uh is committed to playing in the bowl game what's been the main change for that culture wise you know because that's that's impressive to pull off in this day and age especially for the cheese at bowl um I, and he had a rough start. Uh, you mentioned coming in during COVID, and I can't exactly remember the details, but something went on there early on between him and the players, and it felt like he lost the team out of the gate, but somehow has culturally wise and, you know, just what whatever they've done there, they've, they've gotten everyone back. And, look, they started 0-4 last year, right? And you're like, man, this is – with the this worst could, loss in program history. Yeah, they lost they lost to Jacksonville State. Not 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 Dion's Jackson State team, Jacksonville State, which is, you know, m- more like North Alabama. Um I I think like Mike really did a nice job of instilling his culture and like the guys think that, you know, he loves them and really like they they do play hard for one another. You don't see this team take a lot of reps off and you know, that I don't think that was always the case in year 1, right? Like and, and he kind of stuck with the guys that wanted to be there and work hard and um, early on when you're building your culture, you got to be not afraid to sort of jettison some guys that maybe don't want to have the buy-in, right? Because they're not going to be there in the long term. And if you're doing your job right as a coach, you will. Even if it means some of the guys who are talented, maybe not buying in, like you got to be okay with them leaving. I, I think it says something like some of these dudes who are part of this rebuild have only been there for one year, right? Like Jared versus playing. He's not one of these guys that's missed a bowl game each of the last three years, although they you know have obviously, um, that he's playing, I think, does say something. So it, it's a lot of it's culture, man. Like they really do seem to seem to care about about him. Looking at the expectations for this game, right? It seems like everyone thinks that FSU is going to win this game comfortably. And when you look at it on paper, I completely understand why. But what what do you think could prevent that from happening? Like how how could this game play out to where OU is in you know in the fourth quarter has the ball chance to to go win the game? Has there been a common theme in the Florida State losses other than kind of the injuries that you talked about? Yeah, I, I think um, defense, right? Like it, it's hard to blow somebody out if you're not getting stops, right? You know, F- Florida was missing I think five of their top six receivers in that game. And you had one dude that you had to know was the guy that you had to worry about. And the kid had 180 yards on him. I think that the rest of the receivers had one target. Wasn't it Ingram? It was like one target for all the rest of these third-stringer walk-on receivers. And they just kept finding ways to get their one guy, Ricky Pearsall. It's probably like a, you know, sixth, seventh-round type guy open on you. So, I mean, this is definitely sort of a, a defensive staff. Now would be a good time to like to show a pulse for the first time all year against the decent, you know, offenses that you face. Cause they really have um shoot, there's a stats term for this, but they have beaten up on bad and they've kind of been beaten up by good. Like there has not been a whole lot of middle ground. So if that I have a hard time seeing Florida State lose this game like 20 to 17. You know, if Oklahoma went nuts offensively and won 45, 42, I, I don't think that's crazy to think. I don't think it's gonna happen, but I think it it if that's how if that's how they lose, that that's how I would project it to go down. Well, I would say for me, Gabe, and I don't I don't know about you, like the biggest concern like it, 
for offensively for Oklahoma in order to go out and have a night like that is going to be the offensive line. We're going to have three starters down, uh, you know, left tackle who's an absolute stud, maybe a, you know, late first, early second type of player missing our, our starting right tackle and missing our center. So, and there's not a lot of guys behind them that have a whole lot of, uh, a whole lot of experience. Um, and, you know, you throw in the fact that our thousand yard back is going to be gone too. It makes things all of a sudden become very difficult offensively. So I don't know, I guess, you know, we've got some good young talent and they've got some time to prepare for a bowl, but I just I, I don't know that I see a big night for Oklahoma offensively, even though, like, as you lay it out, there may be some opportunity there. And I don't know if you saw my reaction whenever you said we're going to get a lot of man coverage because that has not been uh, something that we've been good at beating this year. Is uh, is, is Mims playing? Yeah, right. Okay. As far as, as I know. I mean, he's practicing. Can we guess at who the Cheez It Bowl guys are? Because like I don't know if you've seen this, but you have two Cheez It Bowl and I guess one for each team. I I, I don't really know who it is for FSU yet. Like it, it, I I don't think you're gonna like this, but OU's punter uh, has quite the following on YouTube. I think oh. he's been lobbying pretty hard. Okay, and I think so, he he told so, Cheez It he's gonna vlog it. Which okay, so I wonder. I, if I don't know not... if he's gonna end up being the guy, but it, we'll we'll see. He's he's made it known that he wants. To be in that ridiculous room. That, okay. that is, fun, I like that Jesus is doing that though. It's fun. Micah Pittman, uh, Florida State wide receiver, is a little bit of a uh, uh, YouTube persona as well. And I wonder if that doesn't end up being uh, Florida State's representation from that side as well. If nothing else, a good chance for those two to cross promote each other's platform. Uh, so uh, may they may they be so fortunate. But uh, no, Gabe, I, I did want to ask you about. I mean, uh, and and Teddy, you referenced it there with Harrison out and. Wandy Morris is a is a kid that some Florida State fans will still be familiar with from just from the recruitment side of things, um, and and Gray not being available either. But what wait, Wanye was in that class that Jimbo stopped recruiting, and then yes. they got mad that we reported because remember like like Pat Sertan was like, hey, I haven't talked to my kid in a while, you know, and it was like, oh, something may be happening here. This is kind of weird. Like number one corner in the country. Um, and that, that yeah, Wanye was Sorry. what twenty seventeen twenty eighteen class. That was the same class, class I guess. right? Yeah, it had yeah. to be. Yeah, I believe so. Is, was Wanye committed to Florida State as a sophomore or something, or or maybe a he heavy? Was, I just yeah, know that that was uh, publicly or quietly he was. For a they were involved with him. Anyway, good prospect. Sounds like he turned into a hell of a player for you Jimbo guys. Just I, turned it off. Huh? He just shut it. Oh, down. just I mean, I at like, a level yeah. that I've never seen before. <laughs> no, that, like he's was I was in disbelief for a month because I'm like this this can't happen. Nobody's not recruiting in this in this industry. I mean, uh, you know, we're all uh, not we. And Pat Sertan's uh, kid. Oh, everybody. Right. I mean, the, I remember no, he's not like, this is weird. Like, <laughs> the, bro, you don't just stop. Number one outside linebacker in the country was ready to make a commitment video for Florida State and then just stopped hearing from him. I mean, it, it was it was, uh, you know, it, everybody's a hired gun and everybody operates under the assumption that you go in and you recruit for the logo on your polo until you stop being there. And uh, that certainly did not take place at the in the final final days or, or final year of Jimbo. Justin Fields. Yeah, feel it was a strange year too. They they lost to Miami, uh, had their quarterback get hurt, and then a hurricane came, and there was like a seventeen day to kind of just dead period there where I think Jimbo just decided, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna take it somewhere else, and uh, it was a year unlike any other. It sounds like now 
offensive line wise, we can kind of just move on to the OU side of things. Um, what you guys and any questions you guys have for us, but offensive line wise, yeah, it's not ideal when you don't have both of your, uh, you're starting offensive tackles and you're playing against guys like verse. That is, that's not exactly how you draw it up, but Tyler Guyton, uh, I expect him to be, he, he can play either. And I actually think from a physical tools standpoint, from a ceiling standpoint, he he's got the highest ceiling of anyone on that's in OU's offensive line room. I think if he can put it all together and have a great off season, this off season, I think he's a first round, second round type guy. Like he's just, there's just not many people on the planet that have his measurables and move the way that he does. But the other tackle spot's going to be interesting, gentlemen, because it, it seems there are two options that I would say are most likely. Uh, one is Jacob Sexton, who's a true freshman. Everything I've been told about him, Works hard, plays hard, cares. He's an Oklahoma guy, but he's a true freshman going against, you know, potentially a first-round pick. I know this about Levy, though. Levy is not an idiot. <laughs> if it is Sexton, he's not just going to have him on an island all day, clearly, and, and he's going to work around that stuff. But the other option is a guy named Aaron Parks, who during the spring – uh, when some guys were out, he was actually working with the ones uh, throughout spring ball and just, you know, didn't, didn't have a great training camp and we haven't really seen him on the field at all. So the other options for OU at tackle are a true freshman or a guy who really has not played a significant snap at Oklahoma. So that's where we're at with that. <laughs> and thus maybe maybe now we know why versus playing in this bowl game like that probably helps your draft stock to if, if you can go out you know if, if you can get uh get a couple extra sacks there in uh in the bowl game that's that makes some sense so you mentioned levy obviously for for Florida state fans you know dude was was at ucf then he was at old miss how would you describe what they're running because it's not like the pure you know baylor Bryles stuff but there's certainly elements of it right well, yeah, and I think you've seen a lot of guys from that camp kind of morph into the same style. You look at what Tennessee does. Um, you know, there's there's Arkansas uh, is, is trying to do the same thing. Now, here's the difference, and this has been the problem with Oklahoma. Our backup quarterback situation is so so bad that they had no trust at all in running the ball with the quarterback. The quarterback needs to be a big factor of the offense. And whenever we do it just once or twice a game, it was incredibly productive for us. But we all saw what happened whenever Dylan Gabriel went out, right? We got blanked by Texas. Um, TCU ran us off the field the last three quarters whenever he was out. So they just couldn't afford for him to go down again. So that's been the biggest factor. Now, if you know we've had a good recruiting class, we got a five-star quarterback out of that. You, you flipped Bowen like, yesterday. Yeah, got Bowen. What um, a weird what <laughs> a, uh, sequence wow. there. You, you want to talk up about on the right side? But yeah. What, wanna, oh my gosh. You want to talk about precedents that uh, might be bothersome moving forward? Uh, if we we have three commitments, <laughs> two in the final twenty-four hours or whatever, that'll make that'll make people's like job, Bud's job, a whole lot of fun. Like. Uh, yeah. 
wait, he committed to us on signing day, but have we actually gotten he, the? He uh, did the half ceremony LL? and everything. <laughs> yeah, That's... it was wild. It was wild. But you know, with Jackson Arnold, you feel like next year, you you hope your backup quarterback situation is going to be a little bit better and you're more comfortable using the quarterback in the run game, and that's really going to change the way people defend you. And, you know, it, and it's also it's, – it's crazy to say, as good as Oklahoma has been at receiver, we just have not been very good this year. And our guys cannot beat tight, good, man-to-man coverage, and it's, it's left us incredibly limited offensively uh, to where, you know, we're just kind of left with tempo. Everyone's piled the box on us. Our offensive line has been – they've been okay. They they didn't, you know, they didn't go above and beyond by any means, but but they were okay. But it just makes it incredibly difficult when everyone just piles right in on top of you and you can't separate, uh, you know, from, from coverage. So – but I think the biggest factor has been the the lack of the ability to go to the quarterback run game. That makes sense. I mean, got, got to count for numbers-wise that – Gabriel, like, like post injury, he's he's bounced back decently, right? Yeah, he's been good. Uh, I mean, he has been, he's had some weird stretches where the accuracy just disappears. Like uh, he will throw, he'll throw dime after dime after dime, and then all of a sudden he'll for about a quarter or so, he just can't hit any throws. It's it's really strange. We haven't seen. We haven't clearly we're spoiled with the type of quarterback play that we've had over, you know, the last several years, but it's just really bizarre to see like he'll throw a a tremendous deep ball or tremendous like deep out. And then he'll have an RPO slant just there in the middle of the field and just sail it by eight yards. It's just like, wait, it it has been, it's been a little strange. He he gets into, he starts to miss a couple Mm -hmm. more until Mm -hmm. something happens and he gets it steers it back on the road yeah it's he but as far as bouncing bouncing back from that hit in the tech game in, in that overtime he, he's fine but he got smoked dude and, okay yeah and the guy I, that smoked him just announced he's coming to oklahoma which <laughs> is pretty funny all right for those who aren't watching this i, I was live betting this game and i like when, when i saw the lines were pretty much done by that point, but I still had it on. I was watching like, uh, this kid is like two got knocked out or well, I guess knocked out once. Right. Because he, he didn't get knocked out against Texas. He just, it was held over from TCU. Right. Right. Like they just threw it. It was, it was, it was, it was like a throwback pass, right. To the quarterback. First player yeah. of the overtime. Yeah. Yeah. Drake okay. Stoops threw it to him. Right. I think. Yeah. That right? Yeah. A little too much air under that one. What, what are the, be- I mean, he, hung his, he hung him out to dry. I was like, Oh God, this is, Oh, Wow. Um, so, he, I, you know, cause I, I was talking on, on cover three with, with Danny Cannell and he's like, dude, this Gabriel kid, I saw him at this quarterback camp. I was at, like, he's got some real juice. You know, I, obviously Danny played for you know a long time in the NFL. And so I, I trust him when he's looking at quarterbacks. I was like, like, that's, he could definitely cook in that offense, you know, with, with, with Mims. I mean, Mims has been good. I like you know, numbers wise. So we, when you talk about the receivers, I assume it's mostly like, like the, the other guys, you, you can kind of, Put attention I on Mims, Mims and... in that. Okay, Mims has been surprisingly inconsistent for, especially compared to what we expected from him. He's just, he's had some stretches where he just can't catch the ball. Mm-hmm. Walking touchdowns, yet like dropping touchdowns. 
in tight State games, game. like in games that we end up losing, like West Virginia, and it's been it's been strange. No, he dropped still, Kansas State. He, he's a thousand yard guy, but it's been, you know, it it he's had some head scratching performances. There, there's no doubt about it. You guys have played some weird games down the stretch. Like that Oklahoma State game was like twenty eight nothing immediately, and then. I felt like Oklahoma's defense until it got in the red zone was just non-existent. And then in the red zone, it's like, Hey, brick wall, here we go. It, it, it that was just, I don't know. It, like if you're calling these games, it has to be kind of, it, you don't really know what's coming snap to snap, but I think that's probably like indicative of year one stuff, right? Like you're, this staff still got to be learned about their roster. Dad, do you want to talk about the defense? I feel like, <laughs> I feel like that could be fun. Yeah. Well, you know, I think one of the things that's been shocking is, the amount of just absolutely winnable games that we just fell apart and it it doesn't take anything big to win these games they're they're layups you know catch the wide open touchdown you know what do we have West Virginia gave what do we have two touchdowns called back right two touchdowns called back because of just bonehead plays like that you don't even need to do. They're easy touchdowns. You know, in defense, we've had moments of really good play followed by head scratching, can't get lined up, can't make a tackle on a, un, you know, as an unblocked player. So there's there's been these weird moments. Penalties have cost us. We're last in the conference in penalties. I, it, it, there's been some really frustrating points, but you know, some of that's going to happen with as much inexperience as we had playing out there. You know, I really hope that some of our guys are going to make some bigger strides this year than they did. Um, but you know, it, <laughs> the way it unfolded was, was not pretty. And, you know, you, you got to credit some of the guys for sticking in there and like, like we've got some guys that are going to be playing in the, in the bowl game, it's just strictly a culture thing and, and how they want to be remembered like a Braden Willis guy who he's tied in. He has played out, out of his mind this year. And so there's some of those, you sprinkle in some of these guys that have had extraordinary seasons, even though it's six and six, they've done the right things and they've set the right example moving forward. But, you know, it's been one of those years where you look back at it and, I know some people like you can kind of do this with with everyone, but it's like should have won this one, should have won this one, should have won this one, should have won this one. It's it's wild. It's it's really something I've never seen before. Like we found ways to lose these football games that were right there, and all you had to do is hit the layups. I mean, to that end, like I I do a lot of the power rankings and you know sports betting stuff on Cover Three and elsewhere. Oklahoma is by far my highest rated six and sixteen. Like there's really nobody else close. So, yes. you know, like there <laughs> are number like, one, we're <laughs> number one, you know, on like a down to down basis that they do a lot of good things that don't necessarily always end up on the scoreboard, you know, at the end of the ball game. But like, I think about it, like if certain guys are back, if they're able to supplement with a portal and like they could be pretty good next year, you know, and then maybe surprise some folks. Uh, the um, thing about that, bud, is you look around the conference, like, and not to get into a lengthy conversation about the 2023 Big 12 season, but 
You feel pretty good about the refs in that in that season? Oh my god. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I am I am not one of the conspiracy uh theorists on that. That that's more of Ted's line. But I there's a you look at the teams in the top of the conference in the Big 12, like a lot of people are gonna be losing a lot. I think mm-hmm. of all the talent TCU is going to lose. You think of some of the key playmakers that Kansas State is going to lose. Uh, even Texas, right, having to replace much of that defensive line. They're, I, I would assume Texas is going to be the favorite going into the season next year in the Big 12. But Oklahoma, if they're able to retain everyone that I think should be coming back, and then plug some of those holes. Like they should be right there in the conversation for the best team in the Big 12 next season, especially another year with some of these young guys on the defense feeling more comfortable in Venables' system. But that feels like it's forever away, boys. Forever yeah. away. I, so I think on that Venables the, question. Oh, oh go sorry, ahead. go ahead, Ted. No, you you take it. I mean, so obviously, like we've seen a lot of intervals being in this league for a long time. And that is, uh, that's never a defense that is fun to play when, when it's, you know, when it's looking good. Um, how much of his stuff are they actually able to run? Cause that's definitely not like, they're not light on scheme. I feel like they, they, they throw a lot at you when they're, when they're fully installed. Well, they, they run a lot of it. I, I would say that you, they have a full install. And obviously, you're going to pair some things. You're going to run some stuff more, uh, you know, as, as you look at what you do well and what you don't do well. But the, the, there's there's been so much inexcusable, like, pre-snap problems that it, it's just it, frustrating for someone to watch. Um, have a hard time getting lined up a lot of the time. Uh, adjustments to motions and shifts. Like uh, there's there's uh, you take for instance the the game against Texas Tech like we got a chance to win the football game and you know we we call a blitz it's wide open but one of the guys that's supposed to be blitzing he's just like he just doesn't blitz he's playing something else just doesn't have the call like I don't even know how you line up without having the call but he did it routinely so there's stuff like that that has been going on that is just like makes you want to slam your head into the table, but that's what, that's kind of what you get with inexperience. And it, it's been, it's been a grind for Venables installing this defense and getting coming from where he was, where, you know, it takes a while. He was there for 10 years, right? At Clemson running the same system, like getting guys in. So like whenever you show up as a, as a freshman, Everyone on the team has been in it, and they know it. Well, here, like no one knows anything, right? So it's like it's the blind leading the blind out there. So I expect there to be a massive jump next year defensively. Like you forget, like more adding talent to it. If we were to take the same exact guys next year, we would. I think we'd see quite a leap forward. Now we're going to have a, a a big improvement in talent as well, and I think. You know, through the portal, they're going to add some guys. Already have, um, you know, you you've got some some guys that have been kind of waiting that you know freshmen last year that I feel are going to try to rotate in and start to push for some of those other positions. I expect defensively for there to be a, quite a leap forward. But man, it sometimes if you go back and you watch the film from this season, you think, how in the world are we ever going to play good defense? But it's there. It's there. We'll get you back to the interview. 
But first. First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs. Checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank with First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information. And if you're a whiskey or bourbon drinker, stop what you're doing. Head to your favorite liquor store and buy some Balcones products. you got to grab some of Balcones Single Malt Whiskey. It was just voted one of the top 20 whiskeys in the world by Whiskey Advocate, and it will be shocked by how affordable it is. Also, you got to snag some of Balcones Baby Blue Corn Whiskey. It's made from blue corn. That's the fancy corn. And that is why it has won more than 25 awards. Last but certainly not least, you got to buy some of Balcones Pot Still Bourbon. It's big flavors make it the perfect bourbon to drink year-round. Remember in 2012, Balcones Single Malt won the best-in-glass competition, beating brands like Johnny Walker and McAllen. This stuff is the real deal, people. If you love great whiskey and bourbon at a great price, then Balcones products are the only way to go. The whiskey may be made in Texas, but the owners are from Oklahoma. To find a liquor store that has it, visit balconiesdistilling.com. All right, back to the interview. Interview? Is that a word? Interview? <laughs> what? I guess last one for me on, on the defense. I mean, Ingram's probably got a couple. So Redmond is an opt-out in this one? Correct. Not playing. Okay. Without him, like, who's the dude? At, at times this year, like, when Florida State has struggled offensively, and part of it, Obviously, if you don't have your left tackle, if your right tackle's dinged up and you're trying to figure out, like, do we play the hurt right tackle or do we, or do we play this this you know, third-string kid? And Jordan couldn't run as effectively in some of these games. He kind of was kind of gutting it out. And they just – they were like a boxer needing to get to the corner with that bye week, you know, and then post-bye week they're like, all right, everybody's a little fresher. Let's roll this thing. But who are some dudes that, you know, defensively popped for you on, on this team? It's like, a, like if, if they're going to pull off the win – and it's not 45-42, you know, maybe it's you know 35-28, something like that. Like guys that make a difference for Oklahoma's defense for the bowl game. So, and Ted, I, I know Ted uh, agrees with this, so I don't even have to ask him if he agrees. The guy who has flashed the most is Isaiah Coe, 94. He has been the most consistently disruptive interior lineman for them. He's He's been a better player than Redmond this season, in my opinion. He has had he has had a larger impact on the interior of that offensive line. Now, it was the what game did his thumb pop out of place? Is that K State? Ames. Oh no, is that you're at with Colt? Yeah. So he was in. So in the Iowa State game, his thumb popped out and broke through his skin. Actually, it's pretty gnarly. Ooh. And he has he's been playing with something on his like a club on his hand since. I think that'll be off for this, so he should be a little more effective. But, yeah, Co 94, uh, Jordan Kelly, 88, has had some nice flashes. But they don't have – I think when you look at the defense, like, they just don't have – I mean, they don't have a love it. They just don't have a guy that looks like that. Yeah. You know, where you just look at him, you go, okay, that guy looks like an NFL – 
interior defensive linemen. They just they don't have anybody that has that those physical traits right now. Now they're working on it, right? They're they're working on it, but yeah, the interior of the defensive line, Ted, it has not been a I wouldn't say it's been a huge weakness, but it certainly hasn't been a huge strength of this defense. Well, it's, you know, Venables as good of a defensive coordinator as he is, and you've seen it show up because our our sack and tackle for loss numbers are really good. But that is it's all like scheme generated, right? With with blitzing from different places, bringing guys off off an edge late and, you know, throwing a bunch of different fronts at you. We'll we'll play we'll play bear, we'll play a true three-man front, we'll play four down. You know, we'll do all kinds of things throughout a game and that's kind of how you you get those big tackle for loss numbers. You create some, you know, confusion there on the offensive line, but you know, Redmond is is the most gifted defensive lineman we have, but he's a uh, you know, maybe 3 4 times a game it's like the switch flips on and he you can't block him. But the rest of the time, he's, you know, just kind of going through the motions. Coe is, as Gabe mentioned, he's the most consistent. When he plays low and comes off the ball with some good technique, you just absolutely can't move him out of there. Um, And, you know, hopefully he's healthy and ready to go for the bowl game. Our edge guys have been, and maybe Gabe disagrees, but I think they've been a massive disappointment this year. They started off really well and – just from that point on, I think everyone, after we had a couple of bad games, everyone like really tightened up and was worried about making mistakes. And it just led to tentative play, soft play. And, you know, we, we just, we, we could not get to the quarterback off the edge. The only way we could do it is by generating it off of game plan and, and scheme stuff. So that's been a disappointment, but we've got good talented guys there. Like, the couple of guys that we had starting on the edge, I feel like have a high ceiling, but for whatever reason this year, just like when it was the first four games, I was like, here we go. We're going to have some dudes now. And it just stopped. And I think they regressed from that point on. And, you know, maybe they've had a chance to kind of sit back, reassess, get healthy, refocus, pair the game plan to to what really works. And, and maybe over this long stretch, they can come out and play a good game. You uh, you guys kind of covered all the questions that I had of the defense uh, organically there in the course of conversation. I will just throw in one point as we talked about it there, flashing back to the Florida State side real quickly. Robert Cooper's a name that that Oklahoma fans might want to look for, a guy that's been injured all year, but it's a final game opportunity for him to make a splash. Big body defensive tackle, never a guy that's, uh, you know, He's not like a disruptor, uh, but a, a guy that could be a pretty solid player and will be the other starting defensive tackle uh, opposite of, uh, of Fabian Lovett there. He's so 91, just, right? He's 91. Big yeah. boy. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, we don't have any guys that look like him. But, yeah. but, but fire hydrant type that, And he's also just like, is he going to be an NFL guy? No. Is he class of 2016? I think. Right. So he's like a 23 year old guy who's like 315. Last game, you know, gonna want to go strong out strong as hell. Yeah, yeah. In the exactly. legit strength and conditioning program for that long. Yeah, right. Exactly. That's, the, like, kind, that's, that's a- the kind of guys that you need, and that's the thing that we just haven't had is we don't have any any guys that have been in there, been long time consistent players. We're just so young across the board defensively. That makes a lot of sense. 
Um, I, I know Norvell's probably really excited to get another crack at Venables because last year when they played, that was uh, that was a tough watch up there in Clemson. They hit one explosive play on this pretty creative little wheel route thing they ran, and uh, it still involved um, – oh, shoot. Go feel it. Field, Roll, yeah, rolling over like, the defender for making an extra a ridiculous catch yards. and like like landing on his back on top of the defender and rolling off and going ninety one yards. Like, okay, that's uh, that's kind of the entirety of the yards for today, guys. Now <laughs> <laughs> to recap, we the got defense. you on that one. <laughs> yeah. Now we went all this time without addressing the fact that Teddy called you an idiot, and yes. then OU's fan base. From what I can just knowing what I know about OU fans and especially OU Twitter. I'm assuming that led to a steady stream of Twitter hate that you received. How I just want to know, how was that experience? It was interesting. So like the ones that at least made it funny, I kept. And the ones that were just obnoxious, like if you were, if you were tweeting me about it 10 to 12 times a day, I did go ahead and mute you. But like some of the folks <laughs> are pretty funny and had some fun with it. I was like, all right, like I'll, you guys can stay. I didn't really want like block anybody, you know, I mean, that I, you know. Bud is uh, bred from the fires of Florida State Twitter, the most psychopathic uh, fan base on social media, perhaps out there. Uh, I'm Hard sure. Still, yeah, exactly. He's 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 seen a thing or two. He was Twitter born mentions. in the darkness, molded <laughs> by it. <laughs> for, for the folks who are like Nolcast listeners or um, you know Oklahoma Breakdown who don't listen to Cover Three, we are like having a discussion about the conference realignment stuff, right? And I had made the comment. Like if you take the check, meaning you like you take the bigger check to go to the bigger league, you also take the losses. Go ask Maryland. And I did not mean to say that Oklahoma was going to turn into Maryland, but just that like math wise, you are going to lose more ball games in a new league because you're playing a better quality of opponent on a week to week basis. But I didn't say it very well, and so it, it was like it it just spread like fire. And this one guy took it and clipped it and was like, "Look at Bud Elliott saying Oklahoma is going to turn into Maryland." This is this is definitely going to go viral. Um, it was it was awesome. Yeah, we've and then got, we've got it did not click. Army. Like I I know who Teddy Lehman is, and it did not click at the time. I was like, who is Teddy Lehman? And it's like, oh, okay. Now, so I'm going to get like a double idiot call out for saying I didn't know who Teddy Lehman was. You don't know ball, bro. Yeah, well, it's um, you know, with the Lincoln Riley deal, it engaged Oklahoma Twitter to a level we've never seen before. Had noticed, mm-hmm. and it's almost <laughs> like a. Uh, I, I, it's almost like a, a plague of locusts that can be sent one direction or another on a whim. And it's just, <laughs> it's an overwhelming group that just, they, they attack. It's uh it's, it's been fun to watch on our side, you know, probably not for, for the others out there. I, I was thinking like nobody was more annoyed with USC's ridiculous turnover luck. And it was luck uh, than Oklahoma fans. Right, because like that, that could easily have been like a seven and five team this year, if they just don't get every single fumble break in the world uh, up up until you know the, the final ball game. There, I, I mean, like, I think if you're a Oklahoma fan, you got to be encouraged by the recruiting class. You know, I, I saw the Arnold kid elite eleven; he could play like that. I think he could probably play early. I mean, he played a lot of high quality ball there in Texas. I mean, that's well, just that's as I mentioned, like the fact you feel good about him just if at backup is going yeah. to be a game changer for Oklahoma because we were – we, you know, as soon as they got on campus and they started spring ball last year, it was like, oh, my God, we have a backup quarterback problem. And they tried to address it, but, you know, they just – by that point, everyone 
was already taken in the in the portal and it's hard to get someone in the portal when you've got an established starter oh for sure i mean like one of the most savvy moves made this year was uh was troy going and getting uh deggy who lost the starting job at western kentucky and like i mean not not a good player but like doesn't kill you if you have to play him you know for for a game or two it's, it is hard to get somebody like that who has enough juice who can i think the better team you are the harder it is to go and get a backup who's cool being a backup there's like a certain minimum level of talent you got to get to get on the roster, you know? Um, so are you guys stoked to be going to the SEC? Yeah. I mean, seems like 2024 is most likely it's, I can understand why people are concerned after a uh, six and six year one, but I, I think that being there is going to lead to a, to, it'll lead to another bump in recruiting because, I mean, Bud, you yeah. know, covering as close recruiting as close as you do, like kids, kids want to play in that conference. Yeah, uh, and there's this divide us. right between the the SEC kind of the Big Ten and everyone else, and how that is that gap seems to be getting wider. So I I think it'll help recruiting, but yeah, there's going to be there's certainly going to be some more losses, right? It's just you that's I think that's natural to assume, but they have to they have to continue to get bigger and better at the line of scrimmage heading into that league. Cause there's just, just some different body types, especially along the defensive lines that you don't see in, here in the big 12. You just don't. So that, that makes sense. Also, like if you're an Oklahoma fan worried about it, I, I would say like in the modeling that I do, um, the bottom of the big 12 this year was really not bad. And I, I actually think the, like the bottom of the big 12, was better than a lot of these SEC teams that you're going to play. You know, Ole Miss is favored over Texas Tech. I didn't think Texas Tech was that bad. I mean, they had to play three quarterbacks due to injury, but, I mean, that that's not a bad team. Like, they're not great, but I don't know why Ole Miss is considered that much. And maybe I'll look like an idiot here if Ole Miss blows them out. They, they, they might because the Wilson kid opted out, I know, for Texas Tech. But I think the difference is more, like, at the very top of the league. You know, the like the best team or best two teams and – Georgia just has like nobody's nobody's dudes right now look like Georgia's. Well, you know, they've it's, essentially it's, been one, two in recruiting for you know yeah. the last five, six years. I mean, you can't. It's hard to. Saban like, took twenty-seven guys, and the only only non-four or five star was the kicker. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. It's it's insane. Like they've got more more five stars on their roster than most teams have ever had ever in recruiting yeah. the history of their program, and, and like they just. At a certain point as well, like you kind of know your roster's good if you look at the portal and you're like, nobody can really help us. You know, G Georgia didn't take a single transfer last year. Terrifying. You know, you know terrifying. Yeah. So, well, awesome, man. But this has been great. Uh, look forward to seeing you at the game. And the the one piece of advice, like if you just want to, and we will take credit for boosting the cover three numbers because I imagine the OU hate. <laughs> led to more people listening and then they realized it it's an awesome podcast i am a i'm a frequent listener think you guys do an awesome job but if you just want to go ahead because i think maryland went seven and five if you just want to really lean into that <laughs> if you just want to put a screenshot oh, out of maryland seven and five and next to ou six and six and just say something like oh sorry i was i was wrong sorry <laughs> 
or something. <laughs> that like, will definitely oh, boost they, the game. Maybe, or maybe something like, oh, you maybe next year they can get to Maryland's level or something like that. If you want to, if you really want to burn this thing to the ground, that's the way to do it, man. Big game boomer will have like a, a new ranked list of like the top 50 times, but Elliot was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> this is great, man. Definitely. Hey, thanks for the time. And hopefully we get a good game. I'm looking forward to it, man. At least you, got, you guys get a little warmer weather. Ooh, yeah, be nice. it's like zero degrees here right now. So <laughs> it's uh, 64. So. Nice. Must be nice. Yeah. All right, man. Thanks. <laughs> See you guys. Well, Sooner's going to have to play well, man. Yeah. Going to have to play well. Going to have to have some guys step up. Um, you may see some guys playing some positions. We haven't seen them play in this game, but it's a good Florida State football team. Bottom line. Yeah. And I am interested, you know, after listening to, to Bud talk about it, that, you know, if we can get some play out of our offensive line, like, you know, we're, we're piecing that group together. If we can hold up there, there may be some opportunities for offense to score some points. Yeah. The way that he talked about the Florida State defense gave me some. I faced a bunch of backup quarterbacks and yeah. Yeah. It, make, it makes you feel like there's a little bit of a window for us to have some success. Yeah. It makes you feel like they're not going to lose by a thousand like everyone else thinks they're going to lose. It's, it's interesting. Now, clearly not ideal, not having your entire football team. And I do think I'll say, I think it's pretty cool that all those guys from Florida state are playing. I, I like that a lot. So here's the hope that everyone comes out healthy though, man. That's, that's really, yeah, we want them. We want the Sooners to win. We want them to keep the winning streak season uh, winning uh, or the streak of winning seasons together. There's no doubt, but I'm not, I, I'm excited about the game, but I'm more excited about next season. And you want everyone on Oklahoma's team coming out of this game healthy so that they can go into this off season, get a full off season of work in and, and really hit the ground running for 2023. That's my hope. Totally agree. Yep. I, I think at this point, listen, it, this, Winning this game is obviously big and big for the program, but I think climbing and, and having all of your critical guys in the strength and conditioning program, being able to participate in spring ball, all of that, like this offseason is going to be a huge offseason for us. So I think that that's first and foremost, which and, and the coaching staff, everyone up there knows that they'll be smart with the guys that they need to. But uh, if we go out, we play well, we got a chance to win this thing. We're, we're going to, it's going to go down to the wire. We'll try and win it with these guys. No doubt about it. All right. Our next podcast will not be until after the cheese bowl. We'll do a quick recap after that game. And then you're not going to hear from Teddy and I for a long time. No, <laughs> we'll, we'll work that all out, but uh, yeah, we're going to get some much needed uh, relaxation after that game is over, but you know, us, we're not going to, it's not like we're going to disappear. We seem to always find time to make this thing happen, man. Yep, it'll be fun. It'll it'll be it'll be good to wrap the season up. Everyone get a little R and R, and then transition right back into off season. What we got to do to build a winner? No doubt about it. All right. Until next time, we appreciate y'all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other.
soin.